Um, so as we get going tonight, uh, I want to rest in um, Galatians chapter 5. And really the, the message tonight and the thought for tonight is based on the idea and the thought that all of us have reasons that we do things. Um, and, and we're nice people and we're good people, but we, all, we also don't just do stuff all the time just out of the goodness of our hearts. Usually there's something going on. Usually there's something uh, that we're thinking about. Usually there's something that we're kind of got our heads pointed toward and our, our hearts pointed toward when we act or react. And one of those things is I, I just started thinking like why I do certain things. Um, you know, for instance, uh, at home, um, there are certain things that I do at home because I know that they'll be beneficial and I know that it'll, it'll help out my kids and it'll help my wife. Um, and there's also, also things that I do that I would say I'm doing out of just being good hearted and being a kind husband. And I could really play it off like that, but it's also because I'm kind of afraid. Like, it's kind of on the other side. I know that things won't go well if I don't do these things. Um, now, Cindy and I, when we first got married, um, much like some of you who get married or start dating or whatever, you kind of figure out each other's boundaries, right? Um, you're trying to figure out, like, what kind of things, what's my responsibilities, what are her responsibilities? What are the things she does and what is it that I do? Well, um, growing up in my home uh, and with my parents, my parents re, uh, reminded us regularly, that we were born to do chores. That's what we were born for. They, they're like, we got tired of doing chores, so we had children, and that's just how God blessed us, right? And, and so uh, one of the things that we would always uh, talk about is like, hey, do I have to do the dishes tonight? And my dad would be like, are you forgetting why you're here? Like, like I love you and all, but it's because of what you do for me, not anything else, right? And, and it was a big joke in our house for a long time, but then uh, in, on getting married, I thought, well, I shouldn't have to always do the dishes and, and stuff like that. Like maybe, maybe Cindy can do that stuff. Right. And, and then Cindy, um, seeing me all the time when I'd be at my parents' house, she saw that I was a good dish doing man. And, um, after the, after the dinner, she would always mock me. She was like, you just take your dishes and you start doing the dishes. And she was like, it's crazy. I've never seen this before. Right. But she also assumed, well, um, now that we're married, Jeff does the dishes. That's what his, he, that's how he rolls. That's what he does, right? So we had this thing, this unspoken thing, uh, when we lived in San Antonio, Texas, uh, for like the, it was a good space of time where um, we didn't talk about it. We didn't do anything. We just, neither one of us washed a dish. <laughs> and we didn't have a dishwasher. So it wasn't like we rinsed it and threw it in there and it piled up. No, it was like we rinsed it, we left it on the counter, and we waited. And I was like, a couple days into it, I was like, you know what? This, she's got to figure out that I'm probably not going to do this. So I'm just going to wait it out and see how it goes. Well, I didn't realize that the 510 Dutch girl was that stubborn. And she was going to like hang in there pretty good. So she was like, well, if he's not going to do the dishes, well, neither am I. And so we had this thing, like neither one of us said a thing. They just piled up and we're waiting. Until finally one day we got home and we both just exploded because there was literally not a dish left in our pantry. Like all of the dishes we got for our, our, our wedding were used. Like everything was out on the counter. It was all dirty. And we were sitting, I was like, well, are you going to do the dishes at any point? And she's like, you got arms? 
right? And we had this kind of like a blowdown deal, like trying to figure out why, you know, whose job is whose and how's this going to go and how's this going to play out. And I think a lot of us do that in terms of whether it's relational or even with God. Like we, we feel like maybe, maybe I should respond this way or I feel like my heart's putting me in this direction, but somebody else will do it or somebody else will get to that or somebody else will respond to that or maybe I'll get to that tomorrow or, you know, we do we do those things. And so consequently, when we're talking about the church and we're talking about just doing our lives together, there's a lot of things that if we start to boil it down, there's a lot of things that we act and do in our life. One, because we really do honestly care, right? That's the side of us that I I do this because I care, because I love, because I, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Cindy writes notes and she encourages and she does a lot of that stuff. And you can just see it like that's because she cares. Like it's a big deal. It's not a job. It's not a duty. Then there's those other things that we do. One, because it's our job. We don't like doing it, but we have to do it, right? Or because we're afraid of the consequences down the long run. And I've met a lot of people because I've been in the church. I've grown up in the church. I was in in the church like when I was one week old. My parents were pastors and we were sitting there in the pews, right? I've met lots and lots of people who when we talk about church, you you can just see them like totally get this kind of like beat down sense like like they do it because it's a duty or they do it because they're in fear of like if I don't go to church then I'm probably gonna you know get struck by lightning this week or something like that or if I don't go to church then my finances are gonna fall apart if I don't go to church if I'm not this or I'm not that and we do things out of a sense of duty and a sense of if I don't then God will kind of a thing and and Paul when he's writing to the Galatians he's He's really encouraging them like to think about what you do. Think about what's going on and why you're doing it. Because it's not just good enough to do it, but think about why you're doing it. What's the reasoning behind it? It's one thing if every day I came home and I, I'm, I'm, it's the start of the church, so I'm using you as lots of illustrations, you know, so I can do that for the first little bit. But I, it's one thing if I come home every day and I have on a list, tell Cindy I love her, right? Cindy, I love you. Mark it off, right? Like that doesn't mean all that much. It's, it's doing it because I have to. It's doing it because that's my job. It's doing it because it's expected of me. But if I come home and she knows there's a difference in the way that I'm expressing my love or sharing my love. If she can see that this is something intentional and heartfelt, it makes a difference. One of the conversations we have a lot is I'll just kind of in passing, I'll say, I just love you so much. Right. And this isn't like all day. We're not just gushing around the house, just so you know. Right. Um, I'm taking isolated incidents. And yes, our home is not always just happy and stuff. Right. But I'll say, you know, I just love you so much. And this is typically what I'll get. Why? Why? Or I'll say, you're so funny. Why? What's so funny about that? Right. And and we want to know, like, is this real and genuine or is this something you're just saying to mark off your list? Paul's saying, You guys, it's so easy to get used to living where you're just marking stuff off your list. Where you're just doing it because you think you have to do it. It's a sense of duty. It's a sense of fear that you're doing it. Not a sense of love and joy. 
And so when we read uh, Galatians chapter 5, and you guys um, on the app and, and on your notes that are available, um, I put it in the New Living Translation. If you got a problem with that, I'm sorry, but I get to be the pastor now, so ha-ha. Um, I do hop into the NIV every once in a while because I like the way it says. But on this one it says in, in verse 1, it says, chapter 5, verse 1, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And I, I just want um, to stop there. In the NIV, some of you have that translation. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. One of the things that Paul had to constantly remind the church of is that Christ came to change things. That Christ came to reestablish and reset what it looked like to be somebody who loved God and was passionate about God. And so he says, so, so Christ has truly set us free. Like he, he's already explained this in the first four chapters. And he said, so here's the message of the gospel. We are free people. And he says, now make sure you stay free. And it, and it brought back some thoughts to my mind of places that we go. In our everyday lives, we are our places of obedience and and our places where we want to do what's right and and how sometimes we can want to do what's right just because it looks like the right thing or sounds like the right thing. But in doing right things, we can also catch up in slavery. We can also get caught again into something that it was never intended to be. And for some of us, like just the whole concept of being a part of church and serving God and doing what's right, like we quickly and easily turn it from a passion for God and his people to a job that we do because of something we said that we were. And Paul's reminding us, so don't let yourselves get caught up. Don't get tied up into this slavery. In in verse 2 through 4, I have it in the NIV here, and it says, So mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, okay, we'll get back to that, you're like, wow, just like the eighth week of church, and you're talking that, okay. Um, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ and you've fallen away from grace. So what we were, what this church was experiencing is something that a lot of people, I think still we get this stuck in our heads. Like it's not so easy to say, I love God and start changing your life um, in a way that, that proves that. Like, it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not easy to live with integrity. It's not easy for your character to be developed. It's not easy to be a generous person when all of the things around us say, keep for yourself. Go ahead and lie when you think it's okay to do that. Go ahead and cheat over here and go ahead and take advantage of people around you. Right? It's not easy to do that. And, and in some ways, it's kind of this ethereal idea that I love Jesus, so I'm different. So what they were experiencing was, well, so if I just get my body marked, if I get circumcised, if you will, um, and that'll mean that I'm part of this crew. It's kind of like if I get the right tattoo, that would mean I'm in. 
right? If I got the right mark, then I'm in. And that means that then I'll be set. And Paul says this, he's like, hey, um, just remember that if you're going to take on that mark, the way that it's set up and the way that the Jewish law was set up is that once you became a Jew, you had to obey all the laws. It wasn't like you could pick like eight or nine of the 390 different ones that they had. You had to take all of them and you had to obey all of them. So he said, hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to call this out to you. It's not as easy as you think. It may be cool to wear the t-shirt and say you're from there, but I'm telling you, it's not as easy as you think. It might seem that on the outside, it'd be easier just to go in and go, hey, I want to be a Jew, like hook me up or cut me down or whatever you want to do, right? And, and you can move on with your life. But he's saying it's not as easy as you think. Because what happened is Christ came and he gave himself for you. And all you have to do is receive that gift. But what you're hungry for is somebody to tell you what to do. And so my thought when, when I was reading this section, and I don't know if you're writing something down or taking uh, notes on your app, was it's, it's always a lot easier um, for people to tell me what to do than for me to allow God to tell me who to be. Right? Because what I do isn't always who I am. Sometimes I can act outside of my own character. And, and what we do is we like behavior modify for each situation that we have. And that's what this church was struggling with. It was like people would show up to church and they'd be like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. And then they would go out and they'd be something completely different. And then when they were questioned, they would say, yeah, but I've got the mark on my body. I'm, I'm part of your crew. So you got to accept me. And Paul was saying, that's not what this is all about. In general, it's a lot easier for me to ask somebody to tell me what to do than for me to be someone. I found myself thinking about this the other day. Always at the end of every vacation, you can ask Cindy this, every vacation as we're driving home, I start thinking, man, I've gained a lot of weight and I need to get in shape. I don't know if you guys are like that. Some of you definitely don't have a problem with fitness, but Body by Bakery here does, all right? So I was driving home late at night from Vegas, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, man, I just wish there was somebody who could just tell me what to eat and would exercise with me and, like, give me that thing that I need. And I started thinking, that's the stupid scripture you're reading, Jeff. Like, it's, it's way easier for me to have somebody tell me what to do. But the truth of it is, is that's who I need to be if that's what I want. That's what I've got to become if that's what I want. It can't be something that I just do in spurts of like, you know, two weeks or two hours or whatever at a time. It's got to be something that's a full life deal. And I think that's what Paul was stressing with this church. Let's go on to verse 5 and 6. He says, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we replace our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit for being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. I think what it comes down to is, at the end of the day, nobody cares about your behavior modification. Nobody cares. Like, when you come home and you're like, I did good today, right? If my kids came home and 
Like they said, you know, uh, hey, dad, guess what? I didn't tell any lies today. Well, great. That's awesome. So are you going to tell some tomorrow? You know, I, I want to know if if it's part of your character now that you're not a liar anymore. Like, not that my kids are liars. I, I love them. They're, they're pretty truthful people. But I started thinking, like, some of us, what we do is we take these commands of God about character, integrity, life, intention, all these things that God's laid out for us, and we pick, you know, we think, like, wow, that's a heavy burden. So today, I'm not going to lust and I'm not going to steal, right? And then we'll report on that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't lust and steal today. Woo! Made it, right? But then tomorrow, maybe a little lusting and stealing, but I'm not going to lie to you about it, right? Like, I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and we pick like maybe one or two a day that we're going to do. And, and God's saying this. He's like, hey, no, I want you to become more clearly made in my image. I want you to become someone who f- reflects my glory. I want you to become someone that when they look at you, they see my reflection. That's what I want from you. And I want for you. And when I read this here, I love where it says, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the marks that you've got. What it comes down to is faith expressing itself in love. When Jesus was challenged, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? His answer, right? Love God and love others. That was the, where, the way he came out. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. And he says right here, he says, it doesn't matter the marks you have. If you don't love God and love others, you're missing the point. Your faith doesn't mean anything. And that's the thing that I think, man, it's just driving me. It's not a hard thing. It's not, it's not a hard thing to take in. It's not a hard thing to take on. It's just one of those things that, man, that challenges me every single day. Is everything I'm doing reflecting that picture In verses 7 through 10, it says this. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. And I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. And God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has done these confusing things to you. And again, as he goes on, he says, I know you guys... Like, you're smarter than this. You're better than this. You're brighter than this. The guys that are in our Wednesday morning Bible study and we're sitting around, a lot of these guys are just learning the Word of God. And there's some points where things will be said and we just kind of call out, hey, you're smarter than that. Don't believe that. And that's what Paul's doing here. And he goes on to say, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. If just, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. In another translation, it says, I wish that they were cut off. Like, that's kind of gross when you think about what he's talking about, right? He's like, I don't wish that, that they could just be, um, you know, uh, dealt with harshly. I wish that somebody would just cut them off and walk away, Right? And he's being so direct and so harsh to say, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up on this command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So how does this fall in with us? 
My thought is this tonight. I, I just started really reflecting on a lot of the things, and, and I'm still in the midst of this. Y'all have to know this. Like, I've been a pastor for a really long time. Um, I've been a Christian for all my life that, that I can say I've loved the Lord, and the Lord has loved me, and He's kept me and graced my life. Like, I know that, but I'm in the midst of this struggle because I'm not always this guy. I, there's people I just don't like, like not none of you, they're all out, not here, but like there's people that it's just, man, it's hard. Pastor, uh, Steve Deist, uh, one of the pastors at Tulare Community Church, we were talking one day and I said, how do you know when you're just overdone? How do you know when you're just like to your wits end? And he said, when people call me up and they're like, pastor Steve, I'm having a problem with this, or I'm having a problem with that. He's like, and I, my response, I just want to give them is like, yeah, you should probably call someone who cares today. Right? <laughs> like, we get to those moments where I just don't express my faith and love and I don't really have that deep care for people. And, and on general, I do, but there's moments where I just battle that, right? And Paul is calling us back to remembering, hey, let's get back to why you do what you do. Let's not just talk about who you are. Let's talk about why you are. I had a great conversation with my friend Kendall this week and um, we sat and we just talked about that. And that was one of our key takeaways from our conversation was it doesn't matter the things you do. What really matters is why you do it. At the end of the day, if it's because, uh, well, it'll probably pay off in the future. I'm going to give a hundred bucks in hopes that I'm going to get a thousand bucks back or something like that. You're not playing the God lottery, right? Are you giving out of a intentionally, irrationally generous heart? Or are you giving because it's like, I just don't want to get stung by God? I remember when we were little kids, we would always say, did you pray before you ate? And we had this, I don't know, it was old wives tale or whatever. We weren't wives, but we're little kids tale. Uh, our story was, um, if you didn't pray before you ate, you're going to throw up whatever you ate before you started to pray, right? And so we would sit there with our mouths full while they prayed, right? But the intention was not that you got to do it, but no, you got to be thankful, you got to be grateful. And when it comes down to being God's church, Paul makes it really clear in the scripture over and over and over again. It's about loving God and then loving his people. It's not about all the rules we follow and the right things we do. And, and we go to church because if you don't, you're going to get cast down or struck down or whatever. But we go because we want to be with the people of God. We want to be invested in. We want to be built up and encouraged. We want to be able to take on the, the next week with some kind of uh, an, an opportunity to invest. With some place to move ahead and, and see the joy of God in others. And at the end of the day, the big picture, the big thing that I could pass on to us as a church tonight is this is a week for us to begin to check our motives. To begin to ask, ask ourselves with all of the things that we do, both good and bad, why am I doing this? <laughs> See, a lot of our actions aren't necessarily actions out of like um, just places where I have to do this or, or job or duty or all those. There are a lot of things that we do because God has put them inside of us and we're responding to the call of God in our lives. And so whatever place you find yourself, whether your actions are screaming out about someplace other in your life or one, your actions are screaming out of the gifts that God has poured out on you, it's a week for us to just ask, God, why do I do the things that I do? 
And am I reflecting your glory? Am I your child? And there's lots of things, you know, um, when we come out into a place like this, I just think about all the, all the joy that we have with one another. But then I'm also reflecting on, too, there's a lot of people that drive up into this, uh, into this place and they got a lot of pain. There's a lot of other stuff going on in life. And, and I may not understand if I'm so wrapped up in just following the rules, I may not have opportunity to take time to serve and honor the people in my life. And God says this, he says, hey, remember, I don't care all the things you do. It's about who you are. And I can see through the things that you're doing to get to the person you are. So I want to pray with you guys tonight and uh, just encourage you as we go from here. You would take some time this week to just ask God, what, what are you doing in me? What is the stuff that I'm feeling? Let's pray together. God, we just come to you right now, and I thank you for the chance to look in your word and begin to ask some questions about the things that we're doing. Asking, is this really who I am, and is this who you called me to be? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the strength to be able to ask those hard questions of ourselves. That you wouldn't let us get caught in places where we're just trying to do the right things, but that you would help us to become the right people. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.